Good morning. It's a privilege to be with everybody here this morning and to hear so many voices uh, singing praise to God. It is truly an encouragement. Uh, let's, let's go to God now and ask Him for His grace and wisdom as we turn to His Word this morning. Let's pray. Father, it is our joy and our privilege to be here this morning singing Your praises and uh, hearing Your Word taught. Lord, I pray now that You would set our minds' attention to what you have to say to us in Joshua chapter 24, and that it would turn our heart's affection to you. Lord, I pray that your word would do its work among us this morning, that it would pierce us, that it would pierce our hearts, and it would divide even as deep as bone and marrow. Lord, we ask you, we plead with you to do your work among us this morning through your word. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Turn in your Bibles with me to Joshua chapter 24. We're going to be looking at Joshua chapter 24 specifically verses 1 through 28. We're going to look at Joshua chapter 24, verses 1 through 28. I'll give you a second to turn there, and then I'll read the text for us. Joshua 24, beginning in verse 1. And Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem, and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, the officers of Israel. And they presented themselves before God, And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah the father of Abraham and Nahor, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau, and I gave Esau the hill country of Sire to possess. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. And I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt with what I did in the midst of it, and afterward I brought you out. Then I brought out your fathers from Egypt, and you came to the sea. And the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. And when they they cried to the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and made the sea come upon them and cover them. And your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. And you lived in the wilderness for a long time. Then I brought you to the land of the Amorites, who lived on the other side of the Jordan. They fought with you, and I gave them into your hand. You took possession of their land, and I destroyed them from before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, rose and fought against Israel. And he sent and invited Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam. Indeed, he blessed you. So I delivered you out of his hand. And you went on on over the Jordan and came to Jericho. And the leaders of Jericho fought against you. And also the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. And I gave them all into your hand. And I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out from before you. The two kings of the Amorites, it was not by your sword or by your bow, I gave you the land on which you had not labored, and cities that you had not built, and you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of the vine and olive orchards that you did not plant. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord God. And if it is, is, and if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve whether the gods of your fathers that served in the region beyond the Jordan 
or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell. But for me and for my house, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us up and our fathers up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. But Joshua said to the people, You are not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn to you and do harm and consume you after having done you much good. And the people said to Joshua, No, but we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. And he said, Then put away the foreign gods that are among you, and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, The Lord our God we will serve, and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day, and put in place statutes and rules for them, at Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God. And he took a large stone and set it up under the terebinth that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be witnesses against us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord that he spoke against us. Therefore, it shall be a witness against you, lest you deal falsely with your God. So Joshua sent the people away, every man, to his own inheritance. Well, Thomas Obadiah Chrisholm had a very difficult early and adult life. His health was so fragile that there were periods of long months that he was confined to bed and he was unable to work. Between bouts of illness, he would have to push himself in extra hours working several different jobs just to make ends meet. After becoming a Christian at age 27, Thomas found great comfort in the words of Scripture. And the fact that God was faithful to, his, uh, to him during his time of illness and weakness, and he provided for all of his needs. Lamentations three twenty-two through 23 was one of his favorite verses of Scripture, and it says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions do not fail. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. While away from home on a mission trip, Thomas often wrote back to one of his best friends, a guy named William Runyon, who in that day was a very um, poorly known musician. Uh, And several poems were exchanged in these letters between friends, and one letter in particular, William Runyon found a poem that Thomas had written and found it so moving that he set the words to music. In 1923, the great hymn of God's faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, was published. In our text this morning, we learn of God's unfailing faithfulness to his people. It is also, <clears throat> we also see that uh, because he is so relentlessly faithful to his people, the only choice that we have is to serve him and to give him our hearts uh, full affection. If you've ever read through the book of Joshua, you know that the book begins with a transition of leadership. Uh, of the people of Israel from Moses to this guy Joshua. Under Moses' leadership, 
God had brought the people out of slavery in Egypt. He had led them through 40 years of wandering in the desert and provided for them manna from heaven and quail. Uh, and the book opens, uh, Joshua, uh, the book of Joshua opens with the people standing just outside of the River Jordan, looking in on the land that they are about to go in and possess. But Moses, their leader, would not lead them into that land. No, it would be Joshua. So the entire book of Joshua, if you read through it, I encourage you to read through it sometime. It's just story after story of battle after battle and conquest after conquest of God relentlessly keeping his promise to give his people this land. And so now in our passage this morning in chapter 24, we look and God has kept his promise. He has faithfully driven, driven out all of the Canaanites and all of the Amorites, and the people now possess the land that God had promised to give them. Well, in our text this morning, it opens with Joshua, who is now a very, very old man. He's about to die, and he gathers all of the people of Israel together, and he gives them one last charge before he dies. And Joshua's charge uh, in this text is our charge this morning. And I think that charges this. So this is the main idea of the passage. And from this, hopefully the two points of our sermon will flow. So here's the main idea that Joshua makes. God is faithful to keep his promises to his people. So we must worship him with our whole hearts. God is faithful to keep his promises to his people. So we must worship him with our whole hearts. There are two points I want us to consider from this verse this morning. And the first is that God is faithful to keep his promises. God is faithful to keep his promises. We see this in verses 1 through 13. What Joshua does here is basically uh, he recounts pretty much the entire Old Testament up until this point. So everything that's happened just about in the Old Testament... Up until this point, Joshua summarizes it, and he puts it into nice little categories for us to see so we don't have to read through the entire Old Testament in one morning. I don't think there's a basketball game on this afternoon, so we could do that, but I'll spare you. <clears throat> so in verses 2 through 4, let's read verses 2 through 4. Joshua here uh, begins uh, his speech by retelling God's faithfulness to Abraham and to Abraham's descendants. So he says in 2 through 4, And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah the father of Abraham and Nahor, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river, and I led him through all the land of Canaan, and made his offspring many. And I gave him Isaac. And to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau, and I gave Esau the hill country of Sire to possess. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt." So remember back in the book of Genesis, God promises Abraham, he makes a promise to Abraham two things. Genesis chapter 12, if you want to go back and, and read about that later. Genesis chapter 12, God promises Abraham sons, descendants, many descendants that would number the sands of the sea and the stars of the sky, which is a pretty incredible promise, seeing that Abraham was probably about 90 years old uh, when God made him that promise. <clears throat> and then God prom also promised Abraham that his offspring that numbered the sands of the sea and the stars of the sky would possess the very land that Abraham was standing on. That one day that his people would possess that land. And it's interesting that Joshua, uh, when they had conquered all of the land of Canaan, Joshua gathered all the people together at Shechem. This place, Shechem. We see that in verse 1 of Joshua 24. 
Well, if you go back to Genesis chapter 12 and look, you see that Abraham was standing in Shechem when God said, when God made that promise to him that he would give his offspring that land. So here the Israelites stand, all offspring of Abraham. Uh, They have surely been made into a huge and great nation. And there they stand in Shechem, uh, having conquered the land of Canaan. God had kept his promise to Abraham. Then in verses 5 through 7, Joshua retells the uh, story of Israel's exodus from Egypt and God's faithfulness to Israel and saving them from Egypt. So let's look at verses 5 through 7 again. He says, And I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt with what I did in the midst of it, and afterward I brought you out. And I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea. And the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. And when they cried to the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and made the sea come upon them all and cover them. And your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. And you lived in the wilderness for a long time. So the people of Israel are in Egypt. They were in Egypt because Joseph went to Egypt to flee uh, from the famine that was in the land. Uh, And over a couple of hundred years, they became slaves uh, to the Egyptian people and to Pharaoh. And God sends to his people Moses, this leader Moses. And Moses and Aaron go to Egypt and they rescue the Israelites from slavery. We see two things here. One, we see that God is the one who fights for the Israelites' freedom in sending the plagues and in drowning the Egyptian army, which, by the way, was probably the most awesome and most powerful army of that day. God wiped the entire thing out with one word, with one breath, and he saved his people. And then he kept them alive in the wilderness for a long time. He sent them manna uh, from heaven to feed them, and he sent them quail to eat. So we see uh, God's faithfulness again to his people and preserving them and saving them from slavery and keeping them alive in the wilderness. Many of the people in this very congregation to whom Joshua is speaking had seen those events with their very eyes. Look at verse 7 again. And when they cried to the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and made the sea come upon them and over them. And your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. So these people who Joshua is speaking to, probably some of them are further along in life. They're really old. They're advanced in years. And they can remember back to when they were children and probably even teenagers and seeing the great wonders that God had done in their midst and saving them from the Egyptian army. Joshua goes on to tell more of God's faithfulness. In verses 8 through 10, Joshua retells God's faithfulness to Israel in saving them from foreign kings. So look in verses 8 through 10. We see again, Then I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived on the other side of the Jordan, and they fought with you, and I gave them into your hand, and you took possession of their land, and I destroyed them from before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and fought against Israel, and he sent and invited Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam. Indeed, he blessed you, so I delivered you out of his hand. So again, another familiar Old Testament story where God relentlessly is faithful to his people Israel. Uh, they have just come out of the wilderness. They're on the other side of the Jordan. And this king, uh, Balak, the king of Moab, sees how big this country is, how, big, how, how many people they have, and he has great fear. Uh, undoubtedly, he had heard what their God had done to Pharaoh and to Pharaoh's army, and he was afraid. He was afraid that the, that the Israelites were going to come uh, and take over 
his land. And so he calls on this prophet, Balaam, uh, and he tells Balaam, come and ask God and put a curse on these people so that my army can go out and fight them and we won't wind up at the bottom of the Red Sea like Pharaoh and his army. And you know the story? You can go back to Numbers chapter 22 and read about this where Balaam is on his way and God speaks to Balaam through the mouth of his donkey. Through the mouth of his donkey. And Balaam absolutely refuses to put a curse on the people of Israel. And he blesses them instead. And God gives Balak, the king of Moab, over to the hand of the Israelites. Once again, God is faithful uh, to protect and to save his people. In the last few verses of this section, uh, verses 10 through 13, Joshua retells uh, God's faithfulness to Israel in conquering the land of Canaan. So this is what the entire book of Joshua is about. Uh, He summarizes summarizes the whole book in uh, verses 10 through 13. So let's look there. Uh, Starting in verse 10, But I would not listen to Balaam. Instead, I blessed you and delivered you into his hand. And you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho. And the leaders of Jericho fought against you, and also the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I gave them all into your hand. And I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you, the two kings of the Amorites. It was not by your sword or by, or by your bow. I gave you the land on which you uh, had not labored and cities in which you had not built, and you dwell in them. And you eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. <clears throat> so these verses are what the entire book of Joshua has been all about. Conquest after conquest, victory after victory, God faithfully leads the Israelite army through the land of Canaan and uh, conquers all of these cities. God is faithful to keep his promises. He made the promise way back in Genesis 12 to Abraham. And even here, we see that God is faithful to remember and keep those promises. Notice that the land was God's gift to the Israelites. It was not something that they won on their own. Uh, You can read that in verses 11 through 13. God says, I gave them into your hand, talking about the people who possessed the land before. And I sent the hornet before you. Uh, The hornet is a symbol of great fear. Uh, It is... (coughs) Not literal hornets, so if you go and you read through the book of Joshua and you start looking for a story where God sends a bunch of hornets to sting the people, it won't be there. But the hornet is uh, simply a a symbol for fear. So you can read through the book of Joshua, and as the people of Israel start to come up on a city, you can read time after time again where the king of that city would have great fear because that king had heard the faithfulness of the Israelite God to give the people over into their hands. Uh, He says again, it was not by your sword or by your bow, I gave you the land on which you had not labored. So in these verses, Joshua wants it to be very, very clear that it was God's faithfulness who brought them this far. It was not of their own doing or anything that they achieved. We've seen in these verses how God has been faithful to Israel, but I want us to consider something else. How much more has God been faithful to you? God was faithful to the Israelites in making them a great nation and giving them a land, but how much more has God been faithful to you? The Israelites in this passage are standing in the exact spot where God made his promise. 
And we see that promise has been fulfilled. But what about you? What about me? Well, God has been very faithful to us as well, has he not? Here we sit. We're all alive. We're all in a comfortable room. We're all sinners who have been saved by God's grace through his son, Jesus. We are able to gather together this morning and sing his praises and hear his word preached without fear or dread or somebody, you know, the fear of somebody coming through the door to take us all to prison. We have each other to fellowship with in Christ because God was faithful to send Jesus to die for us on the cross. Brothers and sisters, just like Joshua in these passages, we must be faithful to retell the story of God's faithfulness to us. Think about it this morning. How has God been faithful to you? How has God been faithful to you? He's delivered you from sickness. Uh, He's kept you alive. He's provided for your needs. Pass those stories of God's faithfulness along to others. Pass those stories of God's faithfulness along to your children and to your grandchildren. Let them know. Teach them something of the character of God. Let them know how God has been faithful Tell them that God is faithful to keep his promises to his children. Brothers and sisters, especially to those of you who are further along in life, you are an invaluable gift to this church. You are an invaluable gift to this church. You have walked down life's roads and you have seen God faithfully work decade after decade after decade. You stand in the presence of us all, as bulwarks of God's faithfulness to his children. So retell those stories for all of us to hear. Retell those stories of God's faithfulness to you. Well, we've seen how Joshua recounts the story of God's faithfulness to his people, and now he turns in the next several verses and he transitions from telling the story of God's faithfulness, and he issues a command. He issues a command to the people of Israel. And that brings us to our second point. Because God is faithful, we must serve him wholeheartedly. Look again at verses 14 and 15, where Joshua commands the people to serve the Lord in sincerity and faithfulness. Verses 14 and 15. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers, the God your father served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Serving the Lord faithfully uh, was required of the Israelites. Uh, it was the only logical thing for them to do, wasn't it? He had, he had kept their promise to them. He had delivered them countless numbers of times. And now Joshua commands them, serve the Lord in sincerity and faithfulness. Now serving the Lord in this way uh, required them to do a couple of things. It required them to put away the gods that their fathers had served. And we know as we read through the Old Testament that idolatry was something that really plagued the people of Israel. Uh, Even in this passage here, before Israel even becomes a nation, we read about Abraham and his father and how they served other gods beyond the river. And then as the people of uh, Israel were in Egypt, they probably, uh, they they gathered together a lot of the household gods that the Egyptians served. And they had these little idols of 
wood and stone and bronze that they kept in their house. And they would worship these little statues, these idols that they had gotten from the Egyptians. We also know from the text that many of them had adopted the gods of the, uh, of the Amorites, uh, the people whose land they possess. They had picked up these idols from the Amorites when they go, started going through and conquering the lands of Canaan. And Joshua is telling them, get rid of all of these idols and give Yahweh your undivided allegiance. And this is the only thing that makes sense, isn't it? That type of response to God and the response to God's faithfulness to us is the only thing that makes sense. After all, those idols had done absolutely nothing for the people of Israel. They had not given them land. They had not made any promises. They had not been faithful to the people of Israel. They were wood and stone. But Yahweh, he was faithful. He did keep his promises that he made to them. So we read in verse 8, uh, <clears throat> the people respond and they say, we will serve the Lord. And they make, they make this exact same point. They say, and the Lord drove out from before us all the people and the Amorites who lived in the land. God has done all of these great things for us. And then they say, therefore we will also serve the Lord for he is our God. The people realize that it is God who is alive and active. And it is God alone who is faithful to his people. These idols didn't do anything for them. So they responded by saying, we will serve the Lord. Now, <clears throat> it's interesting Joshua's response to their response. Joshua makes this command, serve the Lord in sincerity and faithfulness. And the people say, we will serve the Lord. And then look at what Joshua says, starting in verse 19. He said, no, you are not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God, and he will not forgive your transgressions and sins. Well, that, that's strange, isn't it? I mean, you would expect if the people of Israel had responded positively to Joshua's command, then Joshua would have said, great, that's exactly what I told you to do. Excellent. But that's not what Joshua says. Joshua says, you are not able to serve I, what, what's going on there? What, what is the deal with that? Well, I think what Joshua is saying here, uh, what Joshua is saying here, is that God is a jealous God and he will not tolerate divided allegiance. So you read in the next, uh, in the next verse there, for if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you much good. Jesus makes the exact same point in Matthew chapter 6. So Jesus is teaching the crowds and uh, he sees the idol of money, the love of money in the people's hearts. And he says, you cannot serve two masters. You will either love the one and hate the other or you'll hate the one and love the other. But you will not serve two masters. It's the exact same point that Joshua is making here. The people that Jesus was speaking to didn't have household idols per se, but they had given their hearts over to money. And Jesus, just like Joshua, warns them that we cannot have divided allegiances so what about you this morning i think it's pretty clear that god has been faithful to each and every one of us you know we're all here we're all alive we're living in a country in a city where we're allowed to worship god freely and comfortably i could go on and on about how god has been faithful to every single one of us but who do you serve this morning what is your heart given over to this morning who or what has your greatest allegiance and your greatest 
affection? Is it God? Or have you given your heart over to something else? Joshua warns the people that God will not tolerate rebellion. So you can read again in verses 19 through 28 that Joshua says, God will not tolerate rebellion. Well, brothers and sisters, this serves for us this morning as a warning. Joshua says that God is a jealous God and he won't tolerate idols. And we need to heed Joshua's warning this morning. So what is an idol? What is an idol? Well, I think an idol is anything that steals away your attention and affection from God. It can be anything. It can be money, material possessions. It can be a spouse. It can be a child. Uh, It can be the desire to have a spouse or the desire to have a child. It can be a pet sin. Anything. Take care, brothers and sisters, this morning that you do not toy with idols. That pet sin or that obsession with a material possession that seems to be so harmless to you now, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, that will grow and it will steal your heart away from God. So be warned this morning that idols can steal away your heart from God. Don't toy with them. Don't toy around with them. Heed Joshua's warning to get rid of all of those things. We know that uh, from the last part of this chapter that the people do go on to keep their covenant with God. They do go on to serve the, uh, to serve the Lord alone for the rest of Joshua's days. Uh, but if you flip over one page to the book of Judges, we know that that promise that the people made to God did not last very long. The book of Judges is perhaps one of the darkest books in the entire Old Testament for the people of Israel. And if you read through that book, it's just a downward spiral into idolatry and into sin and eventually into God's judgment. And we hear the same phrase in the book of Judges repeated over and over and over again. And the people did what was right in their own eyes. And in the land there was no king. So we see that we can give lip service. We can say that we will serve the Lord wholeheartedly and fully. But that does not exempt our hearts from being captured again and taken into sin. Lastly, the text ends with one last reminder that God is faithful to those who believe in him. Let's look one more time at verse 28. So Joshua sent the people away, every man to his inheritance. Joshua sends the people away, each man going back to the land that God had given them. God had been gracious to give them the good gift of the land that he had promised them. And they were resolute for now to keep their promise to him, to serve him wholeheartedly. We need to make that same promise and have that same resolution in our hearts this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this text and for the reminder of how faithful you are to your people. Lord, we pray that uh, we would be a people who, who know your faithfulness and who love you, uh, and who commit our hearts fully to serve and to obey you. Lord, we ask for your help to be obedient to your word this morning. We pray these things in your name. Amen.